Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Welcome to uh, another Bike Radar podcast. Um, this is one of our new regular Friday shorts. Um, we're going to be trying to record these, um, well, every Friday, actually, uh, through these difficult times because we want to keep you entertained, we want to keep ourselves entertained, and we want to keep talking about bikes. I'm Rob Spedding. I am the grandly titled content director here on Bike Radar, and I am joined today by uh, Mr. Matthew Loveridge. Oh, am I supposed to talk at that point? Sorry. You can talk Hello. at that point if you want to be started. Sorry, completely blindsided me there. <laughs> that was a brilliant intro, though. Oh, let's crack on. So Matthew there has, uh, like we said, we want to keep you entertained. Uh, so hello, Matthew. Hi, Rob. He's back again. And and we're also joined by Simon Bromley. Uh, hello, Simon. Hi, Rob. Hi, Matthew. How's it going? Uh, yeah, as well as we, we're expected. all in our houses, so we're not in the office. We're social distancing. Yeah, um, we're using the power of technology to bring us together. So Simon and Matthew, you're in your bedrooms, I believe. If we want to paint a picture for the listener, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I'm right, surrounded yeah. by soft furnishings, uh, clothing, stuffed animals. You know, all the usual <laughs> stuff you have in all your the, bedroom. All the usual stuff. Uh, I'm I'm just in my dining room. So uh, less glamorous, but we obviously have lots of stuffed animals on the wall in our dining room, you know, in the in the manor, spedding mansions. <laughs> anyway, we should crack on. We're going to be talking today about, uh, I, I think it's our favourite road bikes, isn't it? Um, we, we've decided that um, you would like to hear about our favourite road bikes. Uh, we are all road cyclists in the main. Is that correct? Yeah, I think it's fair to say we're both proper road cyclists originally i mean i think we we both dabble a bit i ride mountain bikes a bit i ride gravel quite a lot these days but i, I identify as a roadie 
Yeah, I, I sort of say the same. I mean, I I, I kind of got into road cycling because my you know my granddad was into it, and uh, you know, like anyone, I kind of owned a mountain bike as a kid, and and you know, I dabble here and there. But my road is is where my heart is. Road is where the heart is. So, Matthew, I mean, let's uh, put a bit of context on this. Can you remember your first proper road? You know, what you would say was a proper road bike. It does depend how you define it, because the first thing I got that resembled a road bike was actually a fixie, but it had drop handlebars and it was very much a road shaped bike. But if we if we discount that, which was a Genesis Flyer, I'd say my first proper road bike was a Cannondale R900 SI in a beautiful shade of blue, which is a very, very lovely road bike. Unfortunately, it was also too big for me because being an idiot who didn't really understand bike fit, I bought something that was at least a size too large for me. Uh, and how long ago was that? That would have been 2009 or 8, possibly 8. Okay. Thereabouts. And, so. and Simon? I'm not that old. You're not that old? No, because when I tell you what mine was, that that, that will date me, I guess. Um, Simon, how about you? So I suppose a bit like Matthew, I kind of had a really rubbish, so I had a rally road bike, the sort of cheapest thing I could find, and I used it for about a year before I got something, uh, you know, significantly better. And that was a, a Felt 75, which I got in 2010. And, you know, that that was a kind of much, that, I would say that was my first proper road bike. And I've actually still got that one. And uh, I use it as a winter bike now. That's a very sensible, a very sensible idea, actually. And, and a good... Uh... Yeah, a, a, a good example of how how bikes can be with you for life, I suppose. You know, um, which sort of leads me, I suppose, to mine a little bit. I my I'd say my first, and this really will date me, Matthew. You were saying you're not that old. I am quite old. My first proper road bike was a, a rally sprint that I got when I was probably about 12 in 1983, 84. Um, it was a, you know, a, a sort of a really heavy steel thing, 10 or five speeds. Um, and it was only, I only got that because my dad wouldn't give me a BMX. Um, I still haven't forgiven him for that all these years later. And I actually bought a version of it, a, a rally sprint, a few, two or three years ago to do Leroyica or Leroica. I keep, I always say that wrong. And you can read about that on Bike Radar. It is still there. And there's a great YouTube video of me doing Leroyica in, um, Leroica in uh, Bakewell on that bike. It lived, uh, it lived down to my expectations. But then I think my, my first actual proper road bike in the modern sense of the word was a Trek 1000 that I bought in 1998, again, aging me. And I used that really primarily as a, as a commuter. Um, when I was working in London, I had a sort of a 15-mile commute, 10, 10 to 15-mile commute either way from the west of London into the centre. So I got my tra- I treated myself to a, a, a Trek 1000, which was white with blue and red, and it had a triple on it. And I thought I looked like my favourite cyclist at the time. He was an American guy. He rode a Trek, but we're not allowed to say his name. <laughs> Quite a successful chap in a asterisky sort of a way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, he, he didn't really win anything, did he? 
no nothing at all nothing at all i mean i i obviously don't have that bike anymore um but that was my introduction to road to, to road cycling as an adult i think it would be fair to say and then i did then i got a felt i think it was a felt f4 actually my first ever carbon fiber road bike uh and again that was probably that was sort of to mid 2000s and yeah that was my sort of intro to to carbon bikes and obviously since then i have uh, ridden a few more as i have been involved with cycling plus and bike radar for nigh on 13 years now so uh this should be interesting so what, what we actually wanted to talk about wasn't just our uh, our old bikes but the stuff that's impressed us more recently so we are talking about our favorite ever road bike matthew what would your your favorite ever road bike in the past decade or the the time that you've been working as a bike journalist it's really hard to narrow it down to one but i'm going to be really boringly mainstream and say that leaving aside the specialized roubaix which is currently my long termer which is dangerously close to being the best bike i've ever ridden i'm going to leave that aside Actually, another specialised, the Tarmac, both the current generation, which I think is the SL6, and the previous generation SL5, I've ridden both, were just sublimely good bikes. And if you just wanted a race bike that was sort of very good at everything, incredibly comfortable, stiff, and really nice to look at as well, honestly think that the Tarmac has to be up there amongst the all-time greats. And and what yeah you know, I mean you said that it's a great race bike it's smooth it's stiff I mean do, people sort of come to us uh, when we review bikes from big brands and then do actually sometimes criticise us for for saying we we like bikes made mass market bikes from big brands uh, and say well why don't you try a you know an artisan brand or something made out of a, a fancy material not just boring carbon what what's what is it about the tarmac that means you it sort of rises above that criticism i i mean i'd love to be sort of anti-establishment and say oh you know boring specialized so mainstream but the reality is that specialized is a country uh, a country specialized is practically a country Not specialized yet. is a company with extraordinarily large resources and the ability in r&d that as a niche boutique manufacturer simply doesn't have so there is a reason that they are at the cutting edge of road bike design um and you know a lot of people don't like specialize particularly as a company because of their history of not necessarily being kindest to the little guy but leaving all of that aside just as a pure riding experience they rank amongst the best bikes for me they have to because they are that good yeah uh, yeah i mean i've very rarely well, I've never ridden a Specialized that I didn't like, I think. I mean, that's really uncontroversial to say, isn't it? God, that's awful. But, you know, the the, the Roubaix, the first the first generation of Roubaix with Future Shocks that won our Future Shock, that won our 2015 Bike of the Year, should do my research. You know, that that was a fantastic bike um, and really just very interesting and well worthy of its, its prize at the time. And that massively impressed me. Simon, have you have you got an opinion on Specialized? Yeah, I think, you know, I think I agree with, I think all the things that Matthew says are true is that they, obviously they have a massive 
R&D budget and, and so they make perfectly decent bikes I mean you know I think if, if, if someone was to say to you perfectly decent yeah I think they're, they're <laughs> you know they're great they're great bikes they're capable of winning all the best races in in the world and you know I, my my only problem with them is I think they're a bit dull and okay. so my you know my choice for my kind of favorite ever bike is is similar to Matthew's in a lot of senses in the same it kind of fills that similar all-round hole but i think my choice is slightly more exciting go on then so my choice would be the giant tcr and (laughs) matthew is that is that more exciting um let me explain why i'm actually a huge fan of the tcr yeah so obviously the tcr designed by you know legendary bike designer mike burrows who who designed the kind of lotus 108 boardman bikes and you know He's he's into all all kind of crazy things, but it, it kind of it changed bike design and when it had that kind of radical compact shape, and that really shook up the market. You know, back in the kind of I think the late nineties when it first came out. Now what? some people might have said that it wasn't a good shake up because obviously it meant that the amount of sizes a brand had to produce went down significantly. But I think. The TCR is a real modern classic, and you know I've got one from 2009, and the you know the 2019 version was essentially the same bike. You know they had the design. If you know if I put Dura's Di2 on it from the current generation, you would be hard pressed to tell that it wasn't a 2019, 2020 bike. So, yeah. Do you think it's worth sort of just outlining what what we actually mean by the compact design of of the uh, of the TCR because it's it's ubiquitous now you know it stuck when it came out uh when it originally came out it was it was revolutionary really wasn't it was was that a bit over egging it i mean because it was so different so what what is the and and most bikes now are compact so what what was the difference so i think it was probably you know to be fair it probably was more revolutionary for manufacturers because it did mean they had to make fewer sizes the main difference is it still has a double triangle design, but instead of having a horizontal top tube, it has a sloping top tube. And so the top tube meets the seat tube much lower down and therefore standover height was greatly reduced. And rather than having to fit your bike that way, you could change the fit. You know, they, they, they realized they could change the fit parameters basically using saddle setback and stem stem length. And so manufacturers then only had to produce, you know, molds for carbon frames, which obviously cut costs quite a bit in sort of four or five sizes rather than offering a, you know, a 48, a 50, 52, 54, 56, 58, 60, you know, and so it massively cut costs. Yeah. I mean, I have to, I sort of concur with, with you on, on, on the TCR as, a, as actually as a bike, that's just great to ride. One of the first bike launches i ever went on was with giant um in in mallorca it was a it's a hard life uh, and it was for a, a, a tcr iteration and it was the first time i, I remember riding a, a bike and actually just thinking wow this makes me feel like a better cyclist than i actually am um which, which is, is what we're looking for isn't it yeah it had it has it had a sort of we used to call it thing, which means nothing. But you'd get on a bike and straight away you would start riding a thing. I'm I'm again so it's probably quite pretentious, but oh I'm part of the machine. I'm not just sitting on top of it. It actually it really worked with me, um, 
and and I really enjoyed riding it. And it was one of the first road bikes that I sort of thought, yeah, I, I love this. I, I th- I'm not going to disagree with Simon's choice, actually, because the TCR would definitely be up there for me. Um, I've ridden at least one or two. Uh, the most recent disc version was an absolutely delightful bike. But I know that uh, was it a couple of years ago, it was the bike of the year was just the basic Indeed, TCR yeah. with rim brakes. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, if you're going to spend, say, 1500 to 2000 pounds on a road bike, a rim brake TCR is a damn good buy because that's a hell of a lot of bike for the money mm. it it is yeah uh, and and funnily enough the giant are gonna well they're gonna do reasonably well out of this because a bike that i really enjoyed when it first came out was the giant propel so uh, i don't know whether that is controversial but it was one of the first is when aero bikes were really sort of starting to find their feet, so to speak. And and it went from that. Aero bikes were always criticised as being really heavy, really uncomfortable, but fast. And the Propel was one of the first aero bikes that I rode that was comfortable and fast and and light and superbly enjoyable to chuck around and and i'd say race on but i didn't race i did one tt on it i did it really slowly i did um the tour of cambridgeshire grand fondo on it um and did that as quickly as i probably would ever ride the sort of 100 miles or so but that was mainly because it was lots of drafting but uh that was just a really exciting and enjoyable bike have you you guys had experience of the propel I don't think I've ever actually ridden a Propel, strangely enough. It, I recommend ridden, it. Yeah. Interestingly, you talk about the thing, that sort of that feeling mm. of specialness from a bike and when it's like an extension of your body. Might be a review cliche, but it is a real kind of feeling that you get. I've yet to have that, I would say, actually, from an aero okay. bike, a pure aero bike I'm talking. Mm. Like most road bikes have some aero features now, including the likes of the tarmac. And pretty much everything seems to have truncated aerofoil tube sections out. But in terms of like pure aero bikes that are explicitly set out to be an aero bike first and not an all-rounder, I haven't yet met one that I truly bonded with in that way. But that mm. might be as much a reflection of my personal prejudices as anything else. And Simon, you you're a, you're a TT rider, so aero is everything. Um, have you experienced the Propel or other any aero bikes that you've ridden that you fell in love with? Or I, you know, I obviously because I've not been a cycling journalist that long, I haven't had access to all kind of manners of wonderful aerodynamic, expensive machines. But there was there was a while Tiny when I was really. Violins. <laughs> You know, I may, may that might change in the future, I guess. But there was a time when I was seriously considered buying a um, a Propel because, yeah, I like like you said, like it looked kind of like an aero bike with all round credentials, and I, you know, I kind of liked the look of it. I, I think the the non standard brakes put me off it quite a bit, and I, I kind of wish it had had just normal rim brakes rather than the behind the fork V brakes because I, you know, I'm a, you know, we love disc brakes we love rim brakes and everything on bike radar but i'm a real sucker for standard brakes right um of any kind and and so i was sort of slight you know maybe i was wrong to be skeptical but i was slightly skeptical of the behind the the fork brakes i never had to really do much work on them so uh, that's probably why i'd be much more skeptical if i'd had to do work on them because i am the world's worst mechanic so maybe maybe i should hang a whole judgment there 
How about um, sort of we've, we talked about carbon bikes there. I, I've got very fond memories of um, the Enigma Etap. Um, I think it was. The, well, it was a, a titanium bike that was built quite very closely to my measurements. And that was um, that was one that, that, was, uh, that there is a, a cliche in bike journalism when you sort of ride a steel bike or a titanium bike that it kind of feels more alive beneath you compared to a carbon or an aluminium bike. And I, I don't think I would go that far, but that bike was just, that was a real joy to, to ride because it was, you know, it was handcrafted, a hand-built, measured, made to, made, made to fit me. And it's just a um, titanium is just a lovely material, and it was a very different feel to the carbon bikes that I've been riding up until that point. Um, so you know, I've got very fond memories of that, and and would certainly, when I come to buy a bike again uh, or buy another bike, would be considering titanium. So, what about you, Matthew? Have you you experienced uh, experienced metal in its purest form? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've ridden quite a few titanium bikes. I used to own one as well. I had a Van Nicholas Yukon for years, which was the kind of classic winter bike with full mud guards and everything. And it was a very nice bike, but it was it wasn't the most exciting thing. It was I remember having the feeling getting on it after a summer on my Scott Addict race bike and thinking that I had a puncture just because the back end of the bike felt so dull and soft. Um, but saying that I've ridden other titanium bikes that were genuinely quite racy feeling, amongst which actually a, a version of, I think it was an Enigma Tap, was an absolutely delightful bike. Um, titanium is a really wonderful material. I, I like, again, a cliche, but the sort of timelessness of titanium, because fundamentally titanium bikes from the present look a lot like titanium bikes from 20 years ago. Obviously, the components are a bit different, but the material doesn't really change you there are a few makers who like paint their titanium bikes but basically titanium looks like titanium i quite like that but it's a very different animal certainly to carbon it isn't as easily optimized as carbon simon how about you yeah i mean i think i'd agree with that if i was you know if i was going to buy a titanium or a steel road bike i'd certainly want something that had uh, that kind of showed off the metal and had a kind of classic um geometry and, and appearance to it because so I think that's kind of what you're looking for isn't it it's you know you're not looking for performance at all cost you're you're looking for something more timeless and they certainly deliver on that you know I, I think it, it, as always these things were, are all you know marginal like I've ridden plenty of kind of steel bikes you know old and a couple of newer ones as well and like you say that you know they feel slightly different to a carbon road bike you know, but a lot of that can can be changed depending on what wheels you put in the frame and and things like that, and also what kind of riding you're doing. You know, if you're kind of just riding along the flat at 20k an hour, there's you know there's not much difference. But the you know the, dis- the differences become slightly more apparent. You know, whether you're going uphill or whether you're maybe going downhill. You know, that sort of thing. I think one thing we can establish there is that uh, I say titanium, and you two say titanium. Let's call the whole thing off. Um, so if we if we if we go to if we sort of bring ourselves, I suppose up to date, Matthew, you've already talked about the tarmac, and you are uh, you're a big fan of that. The, the sort of of the current crop of bikes. I mean, we we've just had our bike of the year um, issue in Cycling Plus, and and on and we've 
named Bike of the Year on Bike Radar as well. It's all there for you to see, and you can buy the magazines too. too. Please do. Um, Cannondale Super 6 Evo, that's the, the winner there. We weren't actually the judges uh, on that one, but we obviously agree with uh, with our, our judges on, on that uh, on that front. Um, but if you weren't going to buy that bike, what would you be going for right now? How much money are we allowed to spend? Oh, we're, we're, we're rolling in cash. Well, based on my current long-term experience, I'd be really boring and buy that Roubaix because it's just ridiculously good bike. Mm. I think if I were on a budget, the likes of Canyon are still incredibly hard to beat. Or, yeah. or like I said, in that mid-range, giant TCR. Um, and yeah, Tarmac. It's probably... Coming back to the tarmac thing, it's like a Golf GTI. It's not the best at anything, but it's just like you know it's going to be quite good. And that's what yeah. it comes down to. Simon? Yeah, it's, it's kind of really difficult. I, I think it depends what kind of riding I would... Uh, I'd want to be doing. If I was going to buy a road bike, I'd, I'd probably, I probably really want the new Canyon Air Road that they haven't released yet. Um, <laughs> because if I was Obviously. to buy, I, I just feel like if I was to buy the Canyon Air Road right now, they, they'd release the new one in, you know, next year or something, and I'd instantly be annoyed. But I, I think, like, like Matthew says, like, it, you know, they'd represent fantastic value. They look really good, and, and in fact, if, if the budget's unlimited, I'd take it to a custom paint paint place and get them to do it in a nice paint job because i think that's that would be the only thing where i'd fault canyon is that their paint jobs are a, a bit dull so yeah they are quite dull yeah <laughs> but, but you obviously you like excitement so 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 that's that's fair um and for you simon as well you know that you could the air road could could cost you a pretty penny is there a sort of a budget option that you would uh, you would think about yeah, I mean, you know, if I wanted an aero uh, road bike, you know, which I would because aero is everything, um, then, you know, giant, Giant's cheaper propels these days seem to, I mean, I'm sure they're like a kilo heavier than the, the top of the range version, but I'm sure if you put them in the wind tunnel, they're just as fast. And, and uh, you know, I can't, it's, it's incredible what you can get now for 1,500, two grand. You know, I mean, I think you can get a Giant propel with carbon wheels for under sort of two and a half K these days, which, you know, five, five years ago would have been incredible. So. it's good. I, I'm going to start with, with my sort of budget one. And it, it is, uh, yeah. It, so I would look at something like, a, um, from Decathlon, a Triban RC 500, something like that. I mean, they are ridiculously good value and good to ride too, you know, for just for a, for a, uh, they're, they're sub thousand pounds seven seven hundred pounds you can probably get them cheaper uh, um, during sales and they just represent great value for money and are good fun to ride particularly if you sort of opt for the the slightly more gravelly version of the bike it becomes really versatile and and it's just a great first first road bike first gravel bike or just a great general bike if you are on a budget but you know we are talking about money no object so for my money no object choice i am probably going to be a little bit boring maybe but i'm going for a mainstream brand i'm going for trek i'm going for their madone slr and i'm going to go for the project ones because it you know it will be well over 10,000 pounds 10,000 dollars i can customize it to a, to a pretty good extent get some spangly metallic pearlescent paint 
look the business in my bike radar kit and my uh, fluorescent yellow shoes uh, but also riding a really fast aero bike which when I, I i was lucky enough again to be out uh, hard life uh, in wisconsin for the launch of that and I've, I've ridden it subsequently and it's just it is another bike that it it makes me feel a much better, much faster, much more competent rider than I actually am. So basically all the gear, no idea, but I really like that bike. And the, and the fact you can customize the the cushioning or the vertical compliance using the, um, the ISIS B decoupler in the, in the, in the top tube is, is just kind of a nice thing. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I certainly just go to go back on your point about the tri-band from uh, Decathlon. I certainly agree about that. I mean, I actually brought my wife one of those bikes about a year ago because yeah, when we were looking for something, you know, really, really cheap, but still good. I, that was, I couldn't find anything that matched Decathlon for value. And so that was absolutely a great bike at a great price. Yeah. I've got a lot of time for them as well. They're really good bikes. So some some triband love coming coming from us there. Well, I'm not sure we uh, not sure we quite came to the conclusion of the our favourite or the best bikes ever, but I think we had a nice a nice uh, lockdown chat there, didn't we, gentlemen? Yeah, I, I certainly so. enjoyed myself. Excellent, Matthew. I'm hoping you enjoyed yourself too. I'm tumescent. <laughs> I'm also hoping that, I'm hoping that our, the listeners enjoyed it. Um, thanks for listening. We hope you are still getting to ride wherever you are. Um, let us know in comments on Bike Radar what you're doing in these in these tricky times. Keep keep riding. Keep visiting Bike Radar. Keep listening to our podcasts. Uh, like and subscribe us uh, wherever you can. And um, we will be with you again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Simon. Thank you very much, Rob. And thank you very much, Matthew. Pleasure to be here. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bike Radar.